Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Get a dose of hope.com. Today's guest is Jen Duplessis. Jen is known as America's lifestyle mentor and business performance coach. People most attracted to Jen are high achieving professionals and entrepreneurs who are missing something. Through her mastermind, she helps people increase the awareness of what's possible to multiply their results in record time while having the courage to say yes to their personal lives. She's been in the financial service industry for four decades and was listed in the top 200 of nationally ranked mortgage originators and funded over $1 billion in mortgage loans. Jen believes that entrepreneurs can live their legacy while building it, and it's time to design a life of fulfillment. Jen Duplessis and Robert talk about being prepared for a recession. Every entrepreneur will experience one, even if the world isn't. Your mess becomes your message and will create opportunities to share your story to empower others, and to increase your impact in the world. Jen is a great example of the power of designing your life and building your business to support it. Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm just excited to uh, have this conversation with another Colorado connection. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, all of us Coloradoans are are great. (laughs) Absolutely. So, I typically just ask each guest to share their own entrepreneurial journey. And so um, if if you just want to share, you know, where you started, what made you leap into entrepreneurship and and what, how that's led to what you're doing today. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question because, you know, I'm, I'm deciphering entrepreneurship, right? Because as we know with, uh, you know, Robert Kiyosaki and Sharon's book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, what many of us think of as an entrepreneur is not really an entrepreneur yet, right? Small business owners, you know, have to become, or small uh, sole proprietors have to become business owners, and then you can move into entrepreneurship. So whenever that question is asked to me, I'm thinking, okay, so what is the definition of entrepreneurship for most people? Um, So I'm just going to start with, uh, you know, the fact that I was around uh, people who were business owners all my life, you know? Uh, my uncle owned an engineering firm. In fact, he did all of the Florida Keys. <laughs> he's a, he's a uh, what, landscape uh, engineer, whatever, surveyor, did all of the Florida Keys. Um, so he was self-employed. In fact, he was the county surveyor uh, until he died two years ago at the age of 92 for almost 70 some years. Wow. So uh, yeah, very self-employed, you know, uh, his, his kids got into it. And, the, and so that's one uncle. I have, I have one of 36 first cousins, so I'm not going to go through all of them. But, <laughs> but two of my uncles who lived next door to us, um, and my dad was an alcoholic and my mom was a verbal abuser. We weren't, we weren't 
rich at all. We were very, very poor, but we lived next door to my grandparents. And one of my uncles lived there, still lives there today. He's 88 years old. He lives in the house by himself. And, um, but these two uncles, you know, they ran a, um, a carpet cleaning business out of the house. And then also they have, and they still have a, uh, a nursery, I'll just call it a nursery. So like when we go get our flowers, right? Or you want to go get a Christmas tree or wreaths, you know, that's us. And so when I was little, you know, I'd carry flats of flowers around. I know all the flowers. I know all those things. And, you know, so I'd see them work. And if you can remember, well, and I'm sure they still have it, that little, that machine that, that buffs the floors and it's circular. (laughs) I used to sit on it when they were cleaning them, you know, cleaning these. So they did commercial cleaning, which nowadays everyone goes, ah, that's kind of silly. But back then it was a big deal. So it kind of all started from there. And now they're, you know, multi, multi multi-millionaires. They have casinos and they have um, multiple, multiple properties. They own a whole town. Basically they have uh, they own some Wendy's. They, you know, it's amazing. Billboards, golf courses. It's amazing. So I'm, I was around that all my life, you know, just this thought of working really, really hard um, to get where you wanted to go. And it just seemed kind of silly to go to work and come home. Uh, it seemed more that, you know, you just do what you have to do. And so that penetrated me, obviously. And it penetrated my mom and dad is what, even though that they were in that situation, you know, they ended up buying a lot of real estate and you know, and I just learned the big, strong work ethic. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, and of course I went and took a real job and then later, you know, said, wait a minute, I'm a hundred percent commission. I'm really responsible for where I'm going. And that all led to where I'm at now. So, yeah. Nice. So a, a part of your journey was obviously still working alongside real estate, right? In, in the financial services side of, of, of real estate. Yeah. And, and there's then there's been some transitions in in that industry over the last 20 years. Um, how did you handle the challenges? Yeah, well, you know, I've been in for 39 years. Um, I consider myself to still be in. I just have a different role, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what happens. You know, adversity comes and goes. I it was funny. I was just talking to one of my clients, and um, I I really. A lot of people say it's time to get back to basics when there's adversity. And it drives me nuts because if basics are basics and they're fundamentals, then you never have to get back to them. You know, and so when I hear someone say it's time to get back to basics, I go, what happened to them? And so one of the things that that I think created the sustainability and the success that I had, you know, as a mortgage loan officer for 35 years is that I always had basics. I always had the fundamentals. I always had the foundation. And so whether the, it would, you know, the market was hot or not, and rates were high or low, or, you know, whatever the case may be, I would find so many people that had success because rates were low or had success because the market was hot. And when it wasn't, they weren't having this success. And I had it because I created the basics and the fundamentals and they became a habit and so, yeah, there were times where it were higher and lower, but never all the way down. It's like having peaks and valleys, right? And I was just filling in my valleys so that they would just be rolling slopes. Um, and I think that that's a key to success is that anticipating that need. You know, um, a colleague of mine, Jonathan Slane, he, I don't know how he got it. Well, I do. He just typed it, but he owns recession.com. And I said, how in the heck did you get that website? (laughs) He said, nobody took it. So um, I thought for sure the government would have done it. Um, But he owns recession.com. And he says, you know, always be prepared for your own recession. I think we fail to uh, realize we think it's an external thing. We're waiting for a recession, inflation, deflation, stagnation, depression. You know, we wait for all of that. But the fact of the matter is, as entrepreneurs, 
um, you know, if we have three consecutive quarters, I mean, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP or negative growth in our business, we're in a recession ourselves. And so I'm always prepared for a recession. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's so <laughs> valuable. And, and, and it really is um, the reality. I, I feel like, at least in Colorado's market, you know, we've, we've multiplied to 30,000 plus realtors and, yeah. and who knows how many mortgage brokers. And over the last 10 years, they haven't had to work very hard. No, it's all been operational. Yeah. It's just operational. Yeah. Well, and this is a great time to get in because if you're, if you weren't in before, this is a great time to get in because those that uh, laid back on it and were on their, you know, laying back on their laurels, this is um, this is the sifting time. I always call it sifting. You know, like we're shaking it, and it's just all these people are falling out because it's not as easy as it was before. So this is actually a really good time to get into the business and to really uh, work on those fundamentals, hone in on skills. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, hone in on those skills when the market's tight like this, because um, only the good are going to survive this. You know, and persevere. Oh, yep, so good. Well. We started talking before we even even got on the recording about the value of connections yeah. and, and the importance of, of building relationships. Okay. So how how, have, how has connections and relationships helped you be you know, one of the basics in, in building? Yeah, I mean, I will say that it, it was 100 percent of what my business was all about. Um, you know, I believe in social media. I think that we need the exposure, but I also do not believe um that you have to have thousands and millions of followers to be successful. I think if you can take any online relationship and pull it offline, that's where the power is. And that's in fact what you and I did, right? You connected with me on Facebook and now here we are. We've had a conversation with you and your wife. We've had, you're going to be on my show, on my podcast. Um, you know, we've taken this relationship offline. And so it, you don't need millions of people or thousands or hundred thousand people um, but you need to go deeper into those relationships so that they're not only wide, wide's one thing, but they're also deeper. And if they're wide and deep at the same time, they're richer relationships and they last a lifetime. Um, you know, as long as you put the work into it, I mean, relationships are, are, are require work. And I think in business, we tend to think that, you know, they know, you know, the old no like, and trust, right? They know what I do. They like me, I guess. And so therefore, how come I'm not getting business? And the reason is they don't trust you because they don't know who you are. There's a difference between knowing what my title is and knowing who I am as a person. And that brings people closer because that common interest, you know, starts settling in. And this is what creates these beautiful, richer relationships. Um, so yeah, use online, but bring them offline and get away from being them superficial. Um, in my practice, you know, I funded over a hundred million dollars a year in loans and, um, in the top 200 loan officers in the country. And, um, it's all relationship based. It was all relationship based. And I worked with a total of two, 22 people. Now here's, what's funny about that. I had thousands of people in my database but I was digitally, that was the super fit. I shouldn't say superficial. That was just the wide, right? But the deeper were the 22. And I really feel like you only need to work with, now I'd say my number is 56. You need to work with 56 different people to help give you the expansion and the exposure and the referrals that you need. But that's nothing. That's nothing. So we're running around chasing everybody and we should just be going deeper with a handful. 
I like that you need 22 now, now maybe 56, but still, if the number is less than 50, you can, most anybody can handle relationships with 50 people. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. And the reason I've expanded that is because there's more, you know, online presence. And so there's a, there's an, there's two aspects of it that has expanded that one is the influx of charity and community, you know, that all employers, everybody's about, you know, giving to charity and community. So there's an aspect of uh, working your business in tandem with your partners to, um, give to give to charity, you know, and announce that to the world that you have, you know, a handful of charities that you really, you know, ha have um, like creating a foundation like I've done and creating my own charity so that I can give back, you know, to to anybody that I feel like. So I think that's one. So it's finding those partners who like that as well. And then the other half of that is um, I call them content partners. Right. And they are people that when I post, they they like, comment, share. When they post, they tag me, like, comment, share. And we help expand one another. And there's 20 of them. So because of that, this number has increased because there are two new categories for me to consider. Oh, that's so valuable. So let's dig into the value of contribution and why that's so important as a, as a part of your business to giving back and, and investing in the community. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. I, well, again, I think it's just become a new trend, you know, that, that, uh, and we know statistically that millennials and Gen Z, they really, they will leave a job um, to go for less pay as long as they feel that the company they're going to is giving back to the community. And we know this. So, so it's not about keeping people and just throwing money at them. It's now uh, throwing those experiences, them letting them know that you have a heart, you know, it's not just um, about the money in the business anymore. It's about what can the, you know, the company, what does the company do? And we know this from a multitude of things. We know this from Chick-fil-A. We know this from Tom's shoes, right? Tom's shoes, every shoe you buy, they donate to a child. We know that about that. And, and because of those charities, you go, oh, wow, that's cool. They do that. Well, then I'm definitely going to buy their product, even if it's more expensive. And believe me, they are. They're not the, they are not good looking shoes. They're comfortable. They're not good looking. Um, but we'll pay more for them because we know it's going somewhere. Um, Starkist is another one. You know, they, they promote the fact that, you know, no dolphin is injured while we're while we're um, catching the you know the the tuna, and so when you look on the shelf, Star Kiss is more expensive than the others. But people are like, yeah, but they're not hurting dolphins, so I'm going to buy it, right? Um, and so this is where people will start going, and so it's attraction, it's a magnet for attracting clients when you can say, hey, every dollar you know of this or you know, every transaction or, you know, I donate 10% or 5% of my, my net revenue, you know, to these three charities, pick one and I'll donate it on your behalf. Um, you know, those types of things will attract people to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about mentors. How, how have mentors served in your journey and what would you recommend for younger entrepreneurs in, yeah. in getting a mentor when they feel like, oh, how do I, how do I make a connection? Yeah. Yeah. The reason I'm laughing about this is because I'm sure the case is with you and many of the listeners too, is that we've all made what we consider to be mistakes with mentors. Right? And as soon as I hear mentors, I think ching, 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 you know, like how much money, uh, because definitely, you know, we've got, we all get real excited about, you know, what mentors can do for us. And then, you know, the question is the fulfillment and, 
And for me, I'm very cautious now. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes, you know, thinking that it was the type of mentor I needed. And, you know, and I've come up with a handful of questions that I, that I ask and require, you know, from my mentors. One is that they're involved in charity events. I mean, charity, you know, charitable contribution. Um, so I think the key is to determine what you specifically want in a mentor. I mean, I want someone who's walked my path. Um, I love that you've chosen the word mentor, not coach. I think a lot of people use coach very loosely. Um, and typically a coach, when you think of a coach on a sideline, they're not always, they, they weren't always a player. They just know the game. And I'm looking for someone, mentors for me, who've walked my walk. And that's what I love about what I do in my mentorship with my students is that I've walked their walk. I've been a lender. I have been and still are a, an entrepreneur. So I can help doesn't matter what they do, right? I can help everybody because I've been in those shoes. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is like come up with your criteria on what you're looking for in a mentor before you just say, oh, that's really cool. They can solve one problem. They offer 20 and they they can solve one and you hone in on the one and then that doesn't satisfy you. And then you think you've lost, right? So I'm looking at everything they offer. Can I utilize everything? How much time is it going to take me, et cetera? Um, but I love mentors. I have, um, how many now? Well, I'm in, I'm in three or four different masterminds. I hold my own mastermind. Um, and I, I think some of that's mentorship. Uh, I have two coaches that I work with and, um, you know, they're for different reasons. I have a, uh, an advisor, right. Um, who's on my board of advisors, who is very, very famous and very, very, uh, you know, accomplished, he does a lot of charity work, and that's what drew me to him. Uh, but he's sort of my uh, sigli. What do they call it? Sigliary, right? He's like my, my number. Like, should I do this or shouldn't I? And he's yes, no, or maybe. And so I love I love having him on board. Um, and then I have another consultant who, who's helping me with uh, streamlining my positioning. And so yeah, I've got a, a mess of them, you know. And and the one that I've had the longest is the one who helps me with the business of the business. And that's one of the most important relationships I have mm, because the so others good. will come and go, right? Because we, as we grow or as we're floating downstream, right, we come to new, new turbulent waters or new situations. And so now we need a coach for one area or, you know, or mentor for another. And, um, you know, but this one person has been with me the whole way. Sure. And, and I think that's, that's typical how relationships go, right? As our mm -hmm. business grows, some people come, some people go. Yeah. And and as we face different issues, you know, in growing our business, we need different we people. Need, yep, we need different. And so I appreciate that you share that. Well, yeah. I've got this consultant and this coach and 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 this advisor and and of course, you know, just those friends that you can call at you know nine yeah. o'clock at night when you're pulling your hair out, saying, I, I just don't know what to do. What should I do? And they're you know, we'll take a breath and then. You know, right. they're yeah. the ones that, that, that know you at your heart and know your core and, and, and get straight to the point, you know, in answering or advising. Right. And yeah, mostly they just, you know, make you come up with the answer, but, but, but they help you realize, well, it's not as crazy as you think it is. Just make the decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, I was just telling some of my students the other day, I said, you know, um, I was telling him, you know, just call them and just schedule it. And he's like, but what do I do? And I go, I don't know, but what you're going to do is you're going to call it and schedule it. And then you can freak out. And then I want you to relax because all you need to do is call me and we'll walk through what you're going to do next. But don't worry about that. We don't know what we're going to do quite yet. Just book it. 
book it and we'll figure it out. Absolutely. Support you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is, you know, like when you're climbing up a hill, what you don't want is a mentor that just says, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you're down there going, I can't, I, I can't get there. You know, you want the mentor to know, you know, even be that much further ahead, you know, just an inch further ahead that they know the terrain. And so don't worry about the terrain. I promise I'm going to take you up to that promised land, but trust that I already have, you know, paved the way. Just take the next step. Just take the next step with me. Oh, so good. All right. So here's the other entrepreneurial challenge. And, and for many, it's especially younger entrepreneurs or early entrepreneurs is choosing their niche, right? Choosing their, their, yeah. their deciding, you know, who's the, the good fit, who's the right fit for, for what they have to offer. Mm -hmm. um, how, how did you narrow yours down and how has yours grown and developed over, over the, you know, your service over the growth of your company? Yeah. Um, it's such a great question because, uh, everyone thinks, so I always say, you know, if you're selling everything to everybody, you're selling nothing to no one. <laughs> right? It's just noise. That's really what it is. And I akin it to, um, a brown paper bag, right? Everyone, if you're a brown paper bag out there, uh, you know, you're like everybody else, you're a commodity. And when I open up a brown paper bag, and if it's brown paper bag and there's nothing on the outside of it, I don't know what's in it. Is it a diamond? Is it something that's going to hurt me? Right? Is it the same every time? What does it look like? <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, and I think that that's a big challenge is just going out and trying to do everything that everybody else has done and watching what others have done. And, and we know that um, stealing ideas and stealing, you know, and I don't mean it badly, but, you know, taking on those ideas, we know that why re reinvent the wheel if it's already made and, you know, that we bring these things on. The problem is they don't always align with who we are and what, what we want to accomplish. We just think it's a really cool idea. And so it ends up becoming a shiny object. Um, and then all we do is move from shiny object to shiny object. And we spend all this money and all this time and effort and we, and we don't get the traction that we're looking for. Um, you know, in our practice. So the first thing is, you know, to, to remind yourself not to be a brown paper bag. <laughs> but if I said Tiffany's, right, Tiffany's, we all know the Tiffany's box, right? We know, and unless you bought the box online and then filled it with something bad, um, but we know that when you get the Tiffany's box, and if you've ever walked into a Tiffany's store, and I would say, if you've never walked in, go. My daughter and I, uh, before COVID, we would go up to New York every every year and walk into Tiffany's and buy something. It was, it was like our annual thing. We're going to get something from Tiffany's. And what's so great about it is the experience, right? It's the experience that people are getting because you have so much passion about what you're delivering. When you're delivering a brown paper bag, it's a little of this, a little of that. Sometimes it's wrinkled, sometimes it's folded, sometimes it has a hole in it. You know, it's not consistent. And when you get to the Tiffany's, the one thing that I love about Tiffany's, and I have to share this story because it's important to understand how great it is, is that there's someone at the door, there's a guard at the door, and they open the door for you. Hi, welcome, welcome to Tiffany's. There's always cold champagne. I don't know how it's cold all the time, but it's there. It's always sitting on a Tiffany's silver platter with champagne. And the people that are working behind um, the jewelry behind the table, the, the counters are so different than when you go to JC Penny or wherever you go, right? Even Nordstrom, even, even those type. well, Nordstrom is a little different, but most of them, when you ask them how their day is, they're like, oh, you know, I've been on my feet for whatever. And I'm waiting, waiting for a break and I'm working till this kind of time. And it's like, well, then don't work there anymore. And so they're all whining and complaining, but at Tiffany's, they're all standing there erect, 
with their black little velvet flat thing ready to show you, ready to show you. And they smile and make eye contact with you as you walk by. And if you're not interested, then they don't cave and go, oh my God, I didn't, you know, I'll take a break. They just stand there and they wait. And there's something about that experience. And you know what? It's expensive, but everyone will pay for it. It's like I was saying before, people will pay for, you know, what, what makes sense in their lives as long as you can position yourself you know, to do that. So I thought, well, how could I be Tiffany's? How could I be Starbucks? How could I be, um, I mean, you're going to hate this when I say it, but 7-Eleven, because the thing is, people, if you're looking for gas, right, right now, and you're shopping around for gas prices, especially now, but you're shopping around for gas, but you're hankering for a 7-Eleven Slurpee, you will pay more for the gas because you're going there for the purpose of the Slurpee. Um, and this is a failure I think that people have is that they market everything instead of marketing the thing that they do best. So in or, so I'm going to go back to how do you do it? One, figure out what your passions are. And if you can't figure out what your passions are, the positive things, figure out what you don't like. You know, do you like working with clients that um, have a nine to five job and can only meet you at eight o'clock at night? Well, then don't market to those clients. If you have you know, want to work with clients um, who are young professionals without children because you don't like people who have kids and the kids running around your office, then that's who you target. So sometimes figuring out what you want is to determine what you don't want. Hmm. And that starts isolating that down into what becomes your niche and what becomes your passion. Um, and so for me, that was really easy for me to, you know, for me to do. But what I'm saying is that you market that. I've never seen an advertisement for Starbucks cake pops. I've never seen an advertisement for Starbucks um, yogurt. Okay. They market what they do the most of and what they're passionate about. Of course, when you walk in, you can get potato chips and you can buy mugs and you can buy all these things. But if they just said, hey, we have everything, everyone be so confused. And this is why a lot of people don't get referrals because we're out there going, hey, we just do everything instead of knowing exactly what they're the expert at. And then when you meet clients, you can say, yes, this is my expertise. Or these three to five things are my expertise. And I'm going to provide you an unbelievable experience, not service, unbelievable experience so that you're so compelled to tell your friends about me. You're, you, there's nothing else you can do, right? That experience is so, it's how they feel having worked with you. And um, and it's because you are working in your bailiwick. And yes, when you're talking to me, you say, by the way, I do all these things. I offer yogurt. I offer pizza. I offer these things on the side, but this is what I market. And that's where I think people are confused with niching is that it's your, it's what you're marketing. It's not all you do. It's what you market. Absolutely. One, it's certainly a, a key place to, to start, right? It gives you a place to focus. It focuses your language. It focuses in on what you're the very best at. And, and you build from what you're the very best at. Like you said, yeah. Starbucks isn't famous for cake pops. No. Do they sell really good cake pops? Sure. Absolutely. I get them. But <laughs> but they sell really good coffee that people yeah. really like quickly and, and have yeah. an expectation. And so. Focus and it's on consistent, right? Exactly. I mean, whether you go to the one in my town in Virginia or you go out in Colorado where you're at, it's always the same thing. It's always the same thing. It's so familiar. And McDonald's is like that. And Walmart's like that. It doesn't matter. They've created these brands because the consistency is there. Oh, yep. So good. We will be right back after this short break.
This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. All right, you mentioned something really important in there that I want to dig a little deeper on is the idea of the brown paper bag and, and aligning with who you are. And so let's talk about, about character and authenticity in your brand. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you want to talk about there? Because that, uh, you know, integrity is one of my values, my core values. I have a problem with people that, uh, for example, we're here talking and people will say, oh, well, that's what she's like on stage. But then behind stage, hmm, but this is me. This is how I am. And, and I know you can validate that because we've had conversations about it. Uh, this is who you get. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing, you know, is the integrity of that. But so is there something specific you want to talk about in that arena? I mean, just the value of, of being able to be authentic. Obviously, yeah. the online space has created this opportunity to... Yeah be somebody else you mentioned, right? Being, you know, pretending to be somebody else you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, putting the Tiffany's label on the brown paper bag. Right. <laughs> right. right. Or filling, filling a Tiffany's box with bad thing. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I was just, someone was just telling me about this too, um, is, uh, and, and I'll be, I mean, this is the authentic part of me. You know, I live on 21 acres, which I'm so blessed to live on. And it's just me and my husband now. Our kids are grown. We have grandkids and stuff. And it's it's me, my husband, on 21 acres with a little Maltese dog. Okay. And um, and if I'm not here, I'm getting my nails done. I'm going to church, or I'm on my way to the airport to fly someplace. Right. My husband does grocery shopping because he's the one who leaves the house. I'm I'm here all day. Right. And uh, I was saying, you know, for me, it's such a challenge to put things on online about what I'm doing, because how many times can I take a picture of a tree? How many times can I take a picture of my, my dog? Um, and But I do like summer because I just had a snapping turtle. And so I was able to talk about that. And I just this morning, we, ha we have a little ostracized, or I called it uh, um, turkey-ized a female turkey. She was ostracized from her group. So now she's just kind of floating around by herself. And then the group comes around. But, um, and yes, we have bears, which is kind of fun. But it's really hard for me to come up with content because I don't necessarily do much, you know. And, and when I do have content, I'm usually at a vineyard, I'm usually on our boat, and I'm usually traveling someplace. And people are thinking, oh, well, look at her. She's just showing what, you know, all these fancy things she does. The thing is, I, I really don't, that is authentic to me. And someone said to me, well, I think what you need to do is you need to wake up in the morning um, when you look like, you, you know, you just slap overnight because we don't look like they do on TV, right? And just take a video of yourself and then let people see that's the real authentic you. And I said, but, but it isn't me. I mean, I don't leave the house unless I'm dolled up. Right. I, I don't care if my hair is a mess. I've done lots of things on the boat with my hair a mess. I don't really care, but I'm going to do it when it's authentic to do it, not force it authentic. So what I'm sharing with you is like a reverse engineering that people are telling me go backwards and be more sloppy 
And that then it'll show people the real you. And I go, but that's not the real me. Because what you see is what you get. This is how I act. I'm very professional. I've been like this for years, but I'm fun. I'm really fun, but I'm only going to do it when it makes sense to do it. And so forcing authenticity, that became a big problem for me. When someone said that to me, they're like, I'm like, I'm not forcing that kind of authenticity. I will force, I will never force authenticity. I will either post when I look good or post when I don't, when it's the appropriate time. And that to me is more authentic. Does that make sense? Am I getting this point across? Maybe? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't care if I look bad. I just, I'm not going to force looking bad or force looking good. I'm going to do it when it's authentic to do it, period, end of story. Right. Well, just, just sharing real life experiences yeah. rather than trying to make up an experience yeah. that isn't really you. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and that, that's a level of authenticity, right? Some people would say, well, I'm not faking it. I'm just, you know, like you said, reverse engineering and, and, and that doesn't feel authentic to you. So it, yeah, it, it doesn't feel authentic to me to just pretend, you know, that I, that I want to share something unless I, oh, what should I share? Let me just share this. But I do think that you don't have to create content. I think there's so much discussion about creating content. I think if you just live your day and you want to pick up your phone and say, you know, you still have to follow the the methodology of picking up your phone. You just can't get on there and meander around and yik yak about everything. But um, you still have to have a call to action. You still have to have a challenge. You hit, but use it as a learning experience. You know, is that like if, for example, a lot of people will take pictures of the food they cooked. You know, look at my dinner and they have a little portrait picture and it's all fancy, right? And they're like, here's what I'm having for dinner. What if you picked up the camera beforehand and said, hey, everybody, I'm trying this new recipe and I just thought I'd walk you through it with me. And, oh, I put too much of that in it and this. And, you know, so how can that be applied to business? How can that be applied to life and lifestyle? You know, you could use those things as an example instead of just the result. And I think that that's what happens too. And I, and I'm, and I'm trying to do this more. I used to call it random acts of marketing, right? I'd be sitting on a plane and going, well, we're stuck here. Maybe I should randomly do a video, <laughs> right? but I'm starting to learn that just as I'm about ready to go on stage, I'm saying, Hey everybody, I'm here and I'm backstage and I'm so excited. And today I'm going to be talking about this, that, and the other, for me, that's more authentic. And then I can go on stage instead of just showing a picture of me going in that moment. <laughs> Because they always get me with my mouth off, you know, some weird position. So instead of going, look at me, I'm on stage. It's more like, well, maybe I could just do beforehand. And so thinking about not showing the results, but showing the methodology of getting to the result. Does that make mm. sense? Absolutely. And sharing more of, you know, the trials and tribulations. Like, hey, I'm going and my hair is a mess and, and somebody's trying to fix my hair. And I just had to make, you know, lipstick on my teeth and, um, and in, in those situations, that is authentic me because I'm happy to share that stuff, but I don't ever think about it. I just go, okay, that's the, you know, whatever. I've been on stage where my my um, microphone back has fallen off and they've unzipped my dress on stage and I have not turned to the group and just put my mic back on, you know, my bra strap, which for women is our belt. And, right. Right. Put it on my bra strap, zip me up. And I'm just laughing the whole time I'm on stage. And I mean, cause that's not, I, that's me, but I don't always capture it, you know? Right. Well, I like the random acts of marketing, right? <laughs> think about, think about that. 
you know, well, could I make a video of this sitting in the airport and and some of those moments that are just, you know, seem like yeah, and tournamented learning. Yeah. Or 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 teaching opportunities like, yeah, hey, I'm I'm normal too. I travel the same yeah. messy way as everybody else. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have I have my travel outfit, the exact same <laughs> outfit every time I travel. <laughs> My my wife calls it her. Uh, she has her her airline pants and shoes, so that there's yes. no no metal that goes that buzzes anything or causes issues. Oh, you any know it. And, yeah, none of this. And, I can't wear this. Yeah. Slip on and off. <laughs> yep, me too. Me yep. too. I have the same thing. I look so boring every single time. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. so funny. All right. So what what's been the impact of being an author? Um. Well, funny story about that. At first. Uh, I thought it was silly because <laughs> everyone said to me, you know, you have to write a book. You have to write a book because it's going to give you more authority. You'll get more stages. You'll get more of this, that, and the other. Um, and I was like, uh, do I really have to do it? Do I really have to do it? And there's a long story behind my first book. I'm now at my 12th number one bestseller with Amazon. I'm an international bestseller as well. Um, we're, I'm about ready to participate in a um, book that will be going number one on Wall Street Journal. Um, but I, you know, it's a funny thing about books. I find that they, for me are glorified business cards. <laughs> and I think if you can look at it that way, as opposed to, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to make a living off of it. Uh, I would go in that direction, you know, Mark Victor Hansen, who, uh, is the co-author of, you know, chicken soup for the soul. He's the, the number one author in the world. He sold more books than anybody else in the whole world. A great friend of mine, uh, called me on my last book and said, um, Hey, I want to send something to you. I said, okay. I didn't know he was, what he was doing. He sent me the cover with, with his endorsement on the book. And it's the only endorsement it's on the cover. He said, I hope it's okay. And I said, I don't, well, okay. Yes, it is. You didn't ask my permission. No, I was teasing. I was like, yes, of course. I was so honored. Um, but he can sell books and make money. Most of us in the world are just going to create this book because it's a passion project. And yes, it, when you can say you're an author, people are just, ooh, they're an author. People do want to take pictures with you. They do want to have you sign things, which is a little funky when it first happens because you're not used to signing your name and can you autograph this? Can I have my picture with you? It is a little weird at first. But um, the more people you can get that book into the hands of as you're running around and going to marketing events or you know to speaking events or if you aren't speaking and you want to be speaking, then create a book, you know, create something so that you can uh, walk around with it, you know, and it's your calling card. And so I've learned now that I carry, <laughs> I don't carry all 12. I carry at least six of them with me so that I always have a book with me so that um, we can take a picture with it. I can give it to someone as a gift. Um, I, you know, I mentioned in the green room that I'm having a big mastermind, you know, in a couple of weeks and, um, I'm sending, I'm sending a box of books out to give them away because the more people you can get the hands in, the more opportunities you're going to have to make money in other verticals. And I would say that, you know, being an author has definitely helped me in other verticals. And I love the collaborative books too. And I know they have different names for these, but, um, I love the collaborative books. I've been a lead on a collaborative. I have another collaborative that I'm, that I'm doing in September, volume two of the collaborative that I've been the lead on. 
Um, it's called Impact. It's an acronym book because we all learn from acronyms. It is um, inspiring, motivational, powerful acronyms for cognitive thinking. That's what Impact is uh, because it helps us remember, you know, things like CT, you know, CPC, or <laughs> don't think it's anything. It's uh, clues, patterns, and choices. <laughs> That's what CPC is. So every author writes a, an acronym, right? And then we share a story. And then we, and then I do a video with them. And we have a little QR code at the end of their chapter. And I do a video expanding on not necessarily that chapter, but on them, their lives. And by doing that, then they're saying to me, hey, do you want to be in my book? And then I meet all the authors in their book. And then I say, oh, hey, do you want you want to be on my podcast or my two podcasts? Or I have a television show now. Do you want to be a guest on my television show? Or can you speak at my event? Can I speak at your event? And so these relationships start bubbling up. I love the collaboratives because you're just not um, isolated, you know, with your one book. Although I love having my own book too. I mean, I like all of that. Um, but I would say if you aren't an author yet, do a collaborative first. You know, that's probably one of the easiest ways, the most efficient ways. It's the most inexpensive ways. And you're, you know, in with a group of people and then you expand your network and there you go with relationships. Heck, in my impact book, we had 30 authors. The next one won't have 30, but we had 30 authors. We always have a celebrity or two, three, five. <laughs> we, have, we have celebrity guest authors who are, you know, to be able to say you're in a book with, James Dentley or Les Brown or, you know, uh, Rob Angel, who created Pictionary or Jeff Hoffman, who is the inventor of the kiosks that we use in the airport. And he's also the founder of Priceline and Booking.com. All wow. of these people, you know, all of these people are in the book. And to be able to say that, you know, it's just a no brainer for you, especially if you have a celebrity in the book, you know, and, um, you know, I think that that expands and it's all about proximity. We know that proximity leads to profit. Just does. That's so good. So, so you mentioned, obviously, author, you mentioned your podcast. So what's been the impact of, of hosting a podcast? As bigger than the book. <laughs> Way bigger than the book. Uh, yeah. So so here's what happened is, uh, you know, I had. Uh, as, as we all do as entrepreneurs, we have struggles and challenges. And, and that's really what I speak on is just, you know, what I went through in my path and um, what I've created, you know, and cracking the top producer code. Because we all sleep a bit and, you know, we're, well, lack of sleep, but we're all laying in bed going, God, there's got to be a better way to do this. What's the code? How is it that some people are real successful and some aren't? What's that code? And I cracked it. Um, and after I cracked it, it accelerated me into the top 200 loan officers. And there at that year, that first year, it was 785,000 loan officers in the country. And here I was at 200. And I didn't even know it. I just got a plaque in the mail at my office one day and I was ranked 178. I barely made it. Right? <laughs> I was ranked 178. Well, all of a sudden the phone started ringing. How did you, how did you do that? Can I pick your brain? Can I pick your brain? And I'm such a giver. I was like, yeah, you can talk to me. And I would be on the phone for an hour and a half coaching people. And I said, oh, my gosh, I don't have time for this because I've got a practice to run. And and I have other businesses, too. And uh, I thought, what what way can I get the job, you know, get get this out, you know, because I just don't have time. I don't know what to do. Well, we had just finished my son and I finished um, launching his podcast for Option Alpha, which which is his company. Um, so to give you an idea of the impact of podcasts, um, Option Alpha just debuted in the Inc. 500 at number 234. And it all started from a podcast. Wow. Oh, yeah. So 
we uh, so we knew what to do right, what to do wrong, and that was eight and a half years ago. So we're you know both of us are veterans. He still has his, I still have mine. Um, veterans in the industry, and I thought that's how I'll do it. Just send your question, and I'll answer it on the podcast. So a lot of my um, early podcasting was a monologue, right, of me, and now I call it Jen's Jots, um, and it's it's. Once in a while, I'll dabble a Jen's jot in instead of having an interview with someone. Um, and it's just some of the thought process I have, you know, processes that I have. So that was tough because I had to gather all my content. I now have over 840 topics of content that I can put out at any moment. So I'm, I'm going, what do I talk about today? Let me go look. <laughs> but these Jen jots are really fun. And that's how I was answering questions. Well, heck, that led to, hey, would you coach me? That led to, hey, could you speak on this stage? And that then elevated to me to be one of the top five speakers in the mortgage and real estate um, arena. Well, if I'm a top speaker there, then what happened to be that Les Brown Jr. saw me speaking and told Les Brown about me. And then I ended up being on his um, faculty, um, Les's faculty. So that's how that trail led just by simply doing a podcast. Otherwise, honestly, I would just be a retired loan officer. Yeah. 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 But the truth that that goes back to the proximity and the podcast creates opportunity, creates proximity, creates, you know, stages, creates coaching and, and of course continues to create connections. Yeah. Yeah. Just incredible. And and the fact that, you know, your eight years in, in the podcast industry puts you, you know, pretty early in. I mean, really? I, yeah, I had no idea. I just was trying to muddle through it myself, you know. <laughs> and now I have two podcasts, so you know, you get addicted. It's like I, I thought I would only write like, ah, oh, okay, fine, I'll write one book. And now here I am, you know, obviously twelve books in, not because they're all mine, but you know, wanting to participate. And now I've discovered there's another book in me that I'll be thinking about next year. I want to get through some, I'm in uh, five collaborations between now and the end of the year. So I've got to get through these. Now I'm starting to think about my next book and what that'll be. And um, yeah, now I'm sort of addicted to writing books, but it's not, um, it's not about the notoriety anymore. It's just that I, I have this message. You know, a lot of people say your mess becomes your message. I think your mess becomes your mission. Oh, so and good. Yep. Yeah. And that's really what I'm doing is how can I get the mission out there and the words out there and the ideas out there to everyone to make an impact. And um, that's why the second podcast is called Success to Significance, Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings, because it's glass ceilings that we all have, whether they're work-related, relationship, physical, it doesn't matter. Um, we all break through these glass ceilings. We want to share with people how we got through it, you know, and, um, and my mastermind is called Make Your Mark for that very reason, <laughs> right? Go make your mark in the world. And that might end up being my book. Name. Nice. Like <laughs> we'll, <it>. see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll yeah. see. So let's talk about the value of gratitude and, yeah. and getting to that, to that level. <clears throat> yeah, that's huge. And, you know, it's funny because uh, right before we went on here, I was, you know, I was reading your notes and the invitation and stuff, you know, just making sure that I was in alignment and, and, and I thought, did I write this or did he write this? I kept going, wait, did I write that? And I go, no, those aren't words I use, but all that is, right, as I was looking through here. And there's so many pieces, and I think this is why we've, you know, really been drawn to one another. It's divine, you know, intervention and been drawn to one another is because we have this same 
uh, thought process, you know, and uh, drive that's in us to, you know, create a, a life, I call it a life of luxury, <laughs> um, but I can explain that too, um, a life of luxury, but it's really designing a life that fulfills you. And we get so trapped into the busyness of the business that we fail to, you know, look and enjoy every moment that we have. And uh, so I'm always looking for those opportunities. Um, like, you know, like I was saying earlier, and I can't remember if it was in the green room, you know, is that we were on our boat all weekend and then we were up at the vineyard all weekend. So how can we be at both places? Because we just keep extending our fun, right? We go on the boat all weekend and then we, we come home and we're like, oh, we're, we're not done yet. Let's go up to the vineyard. And, you know, we live in a beautiful place in, in Virginia where it's, um, steeple chasing and hunt country, you know, and, uh, just gorgeous. And then while we were out gallivanting, I noticed that the Upperville Colt Show is going on. It's a lot, it's the oldest Colt show and jumping show in the in the United States of America. It was the first one that was brought over from England. And the show's going on. I looked at my calendar and I said, the only time I can do it is today. So I'm going to continue my weekend today. Um, when we're finished here and I have another meeting, I'm going to the Colt Show today. And uh, you know, and I'll be taking great. Yay, I'll have some content. <laughs> but I'll be taking some great I love photography. So I'm gonna be taking some great pictures of beautiful horses and and really comparing that to what does it take to be a champion? I woke up this morning going, that's what this is about. What does it take to be a champion? A champion in your eyes. Sure. Not a champion in everybody else's, but what does it take to be, you know, the discipline to do that? And um, so I'm gonna be looking for opportunities for that today and you know, shopping at all the vendors. I'm so excited. But see, for me, that's designing a life of fulfillment. What fulfills me first? And then I'll work on my job. I'm doing the work I need to do. I have a good four hours of work here today. It's concentrated. It's intentional. And then I go play. And I really believe you can work on purpose and play with passion mm. instead of working with passion, 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 and never playing. Oh, so good. So many things in there. I want to make, make sure we dig into just a little because it goes it goes right back to where we started when you talked about Robert Kiyosaki's book and yeah. and business owners versus entrepreneurs. Yeah. And, and the freedom. And yeah. the reality is so many end up owning a business that really becomes a job and they basically just own a job. Yeah. And, and people an entrepreneur, I think freedom. Is intentional in in designing the life that they want. And then building the business to support it. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, there's a crossover period, right? You got to do the hard work. You got to do the early work. You yeah. can't you can't get the four hour work week, you know, your first day on the job. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if I want a four hour work week because I yeah. love what I do. Exactly. Yeah. But the truth is you can you can mm -hmm. choose to design the life that you want and then you build the business around it that supports it. And and basically making those choices is really just a, a matter of intentionality, being intentional and knowing what you want and then, and then going out and making it happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say this. I'm going to, I'm going to be counterintuitive to just one of the comments that you said. And that is that, uh, you know, it's like uh, you said, building a business around and, and I do, and I do love the contents here. And, and so I'm not a counterintuitive to what you're saying. I want to just expand on this. So let's imagine that you're looking at a tire, right? On a car, right? You're looking at the wheel, which is the steel. And then you're looking at the tire, which is the rubber part of it. So many people focus on the steel. Business, 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 all hours, working long hours, working to the bone. You know, you, you left your J-O-B so that you could have all this freedom and now you have a real job. 
<laughs> right? And you work as a, work on the steel, steel, you know, the steel, and then your life becomes the tire and it has holes in it and it's treaded on because, and look at all the divorce that we have and look at all the abuse that we have, um, you know, and, uh, you know, all the things that are falling apart and the horrible relationships everyone has in their, in their lives, because the focus is on that steel. And then, and then what bothers me the most is what if it's not a real wheel? What if it's just a hubcap? Oh. Right. And so, so we're looking at it and everyone thinks it's shiny. Oh my God, your business is beautiful. But the hubcap falls off and you look behind there and you're like, Oh, my business isn't really that great is <laughs> for show. And then I've got my life, which is awful. So I'm just going to go back to my job, right? Versus inverting that. And as you say, making it a steel, I don't want a hubcap. I want steel. I want a shiny steel. That's my life. That comes first. That's a foundation. That's the strength of my world. And then I'll build this beautiful tire around it. But now here's the thing about the tire. Now it's a four by four. It is tough. It's big. It's massive. And it's ready to go over any terrain on your way up to that top of that mountain, that success, right? To go over any terrain. And I think that people have it backwards. They just feel like they have to really focus on their business. And then their life will just happen and be great. And they're happy. And this is why... People that are most attracted to working with me are highly successful people, but they're missing something in their lives. Mm. This is where I do the great work in helping them invert that and say, yeah, you've got this successful business, but is it as successful if you're not there? Yeah. Because I want that to happen. So let's, let's work on you. What do you want? What fulfills you? You know, where, where do you have the guts to the courage to say no to your clients and yes to you. Right. Well, and that's, so that goes back to the next thing I wanted to bring up based on what you're talking about is how important is play and fun. A tons for me. Look what I'm doing today. <laughs> <laughs> Look what I'm doing on the week. Um, I'm a competitive ballroom Latin and swing dancer as well. I am also a competitive shooter. I love target practice and I'm, that's why I'm on 21 acres. We're out, we're out here for a couple of reasons. One, my husband's a semi-pro drag racer and he does show cars. And so we've got a 10 car garage that he just plays in and that that's his house. And then I have my house and, <laughs> but I can step off of, I don't know if you see it right here. I can step off, off into this uh, deck here and just shoot my gun because it, it, it just, it's relaxing. And I love, I love that the precise a part about it. It's, it's just part of my nature to go the challenge of, can I be on target? Right. And I use a lot of acronym, not acronyms, but analogies. And what I do is being on target. Um, but yeah, and spending time with our kids and going to the wineries, we love wineries and we're avid boaters. Our boat is called, that's what she said. And I'm she, <laughs> um, but we, yeah, we love having fun first. And, um, so it's just being, it's being as good as to being as good to yourself as you are to your business. And oh, I think that's, that's so good. yeah, so many people, um, just aren't, they aren't like that, you know? And so, yeah, fun is everything. And by the way, fun, I'm a priority management expert. Fun has to be on my calendar first, then I'll put my appointments in. Oh, that's so good. All right, Jen, what's, what's the big dream? Oh, for me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I own several businesses, <laughs> so it's not just in this realm here. There's a lot of dreams going on. You know, I'm continuing to accumulate um, investment properties. I, I do a lot of land contracts and owner financing. So, and I own a lot of 
property in Colorado too, because that's where I'm from. Um, but, you know, continuing to um, accumulate the property so that I can leave that for my kids, you know, to have, have income there. Um, we have Airbnbs and we Airbnb our home here. We just did this past weekend and we'll do this next weekend as well. Uh, so we haven't made a house payment in five years because it does it for us. Um, I'm, I'm living the dream that way. I'm trying to find all, all kinds of ways that I don't have to work to make money. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, that's one thing, but yeah, now what's happening for me on the speaking side is that, um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be speaking in Ireland at a Ted talk, uh, for women, um, which is kind of fun. I, I mean, I don't really play in just the women world, but I do like, you know, this will be fun going to Ireland and doing a TED talk. It won't be a TEDx. It'll be an actual TED talk. So I'm going to be doing that. Um, I'm probably going to be in Dubai speaking um, at a couple of events um, in 2023. So I have some more international expansion of my positioning and of my brand and of the message and mission that I'm out there, you know, trying to help people with. Um, I'm expanding more of my foundation work. I call it my foundation, my foundation work and charitable contributions. So I'm expanding more of that, um, expanding my income. I'm, I'm definitely expanding all that, uh, expanding my team. I'm expanding my team as well. Uh, so that I can do all those things that I want to do and not be trapped behind my desk, you know, every single day. But, um, you know, so that's what I'm really doing. And I don't want to be a part-time grandma. I, you know, I do so much Very travel. Nice. I do so much travel that sometimes I am a part-time grandma. So I want to, um, I want to be able to spend more time with, with the grandkids in the next couple of years. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking the time today. I thank appreciate you. you and appreciate this conversation and just look forward to all the ways we can collaborate in the future. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute delight. I love what you're doing and continued success. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode... Steve Reeder is a 23-year internationally syndicated broadcasting professional. Steve co-founded the Eternal Leadership Podcast, which was named a top 12 podcast to listen to if you want to become a better leader by Inc. Magazine.